Welcome to the Energy Policy Now podcast from the Climate Center for Energy Policy at the University of Pennsylvania. I'm Andy Stone. Germany has earned a reputation as one of the more progressive countries in the effort to lower greenhouse gas emissions and address the challenge of climate change. Germany was an early leader in both solar and wind power, and today counts some of the highest rates of renewable energy in the world. Yet one of the continuing ironies of Germany's energy transition is that the country remains very much dependent on coal-fired generation, which last year provided the country with over a quarter of its electricity. In fact, as Germany pursues steep reductions in emissions, it also plans to continue mining and burning coal nearly to the end of the 2030s. Germany's complex relationship with coal is rooted in the demands of its industrialized economy and in the legacy of German reunification. On today's podcast, we'll take a look at the challenges surrounding Germany's exit from coal with the journalist Alec McGillis, who has long covered the energy transition. His recent article, published in the New Yorker magazine, is titled, Can Germany Show Us How to Leave Coal Behind?, in it, he examines coal's sustaining and uniquely destructive relationship with some German communities and the broader economic concerns that accompany Germany's energy transition. Alec, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So you've covered the coal transition in the U.S. extensively. What attracted you to write about Germany's energy transition and its brown coal regions? Well, I had the opportunity to apply for a fellowship over in Germany at the American Academy in Berlin, which is a um, sort of an institute uh, on the western edge of Berlin that hosts journalists and academics for a semester per year. And and I was thinking about what could I what could I spend my time there working on, reporting on what's what what issue that I've been covering over here in the U.S. is also present in Germany and and thought immediately came to me coal I knew that I knew vaguely that Germany was trying to get out of get out of coal and had a whole plan to do so and I knew that that we back here in the US were, were also of course talking about getting out of coal but to, but in a much less kind of coordinated deliberate kind of way and so I thought well let me look into what Germany's up to and see if there are lessons there for us here in the US um, and basically spend as much time as I can in Germany going to to Germany's coal country Germany's versions of of West Virginia and Wyoming and and I got to do that last fall thanks to uh, you know the forbearance of my my employer ProPublica which let me go over there for a few months and work on this now, it's interesting. So you've written in the article about Germany's brown coal industry, and these are the open mines. And there's kind of a close-to-home aspect of this for me. My sister has lived in Germany for several decades now, and she lives in western Germany uh, near Cologne. And these large mines are near where she lives. When I visited there, it always sounds like there is a train going in the background, but it's actually these massive and somewhat terrifying excavator machines that are working 24 hours a day to mine the coal. But I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about what these mines that you wrote about look like physically. How large are they? How deep are they? They're extraordinary. I mean, I had no idea before I went over there what they were like. I knew that brown coal was different than bituminous coal, um, but I had in that, in that Germany now mined only brown coal, but I didn't realize what it involved. I didn't realize that it, it meant 
these massive open cast strip mine operations, like what you find out west in the U.S. Um, in you know in Wyoming um, or Montana in the Powder River Basin, where you have those huge open cast operations out there. But in Germany, of course, it's different because you actually have all these villages and towns in the regions where where the coal is being mined. And so in order to to keep mining it, to keep getting at this brown coal, it means destroying one village after another. Um, altogether, they've uh, over the decades, there have been a couple hundred communities completely wiped off the map. Um, in both the western and eastern German coal regions, and and th these can be towns of up to you know several thousand, you know four or five thousand inhabitants um, that end up getting um, bought out, relocated, um, and then just completely um, bulldozed over to expand these enormous pits. I mean, they, the pits stretch for for several miles. You know, as far as the eye can see, they're um, about typically down, about a hundred meters down. You have to go about a hundred meters down to get to the the seam of the brown coal and just so you're just basically using those enormous excavators some of the biggest machines in the world to um to to remove all the sand and clay that's that's sitting on top of the brown coal um and with those you know those, those big kind of bridge uh, excavators that you know carry it from one side to the other and then you get down to the brown coal and and bring it out on on conveyor belts and then trucks and it's just it's it's really an astonishing thing to behold i got to go inside one in the eastern region um and the whole thing was just mind-blowing I, I still have trouble wrapping my head around it actually it, you know it, to me it's almost like a, a grand canyon experience i mean that's probably overstating it but these these open pits are are massive i mean they yes. really they really are so Germany stopped mining bituminous coal, that's hard coal, in 2018, but it still is mining this brown coal. What, what exactly is brown coal, and, and, and why is that coal in particular what, what is being continued uh, to be mined in, in Germany? Yeah, so Germany did have a you know huge bituminous coal region, which was uh, mostly in the in the Ruhr region, which is the famous industrial region of Germany um, around Essen, Dortmund, Bochum, Duisburg, a whole bunch of other cities. Um, that was really the you know sort of beating heart of of German industry in the early 20th century through the middle of the 20th century, and um, and those those mines. Those bituminous underground mines finally w w declined over the course latter decades of the 20th century, and were just not able to to keep up um, cost-wise, efficiency-wise against imported coal from Russia, Colombia, and the U.S. mostly, um, and finally did go out of business for good in 2018. But the brown coal has kept going because it's it uh, by virtue essentially of its being so much closer to the surface. It is in that sense easier to mine and has remained more cost efficient than than the than the hard coal. Basically brown coal is simply coal that has um, been compressed less over the eons, you know, from from the Carboniferous era. And so it's it sits um, closer to the surface. Again, it's at you know at most typically about hundred meters down. Um, so you don't have to 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 get at it with with very deep shafts and tunnels the way you do with typically with hard coal, you can you can do it by by digging these vast pits. And one of the pr other problems with brown coal, though, other than the fact that it's that you have to destroy all these villages to get at it, is that it's even 
um, even dirtier to burn, um, both just in terms of you know straight pollution and in terms of um, carbon emissions than than um, than hard coal. So, but it's and it's it's really when I went down into that pit on that tour in in the eastern coal region, it was just lying there in the ground. This stuff and and we were encouraged to pick some up and take some home with us. And it's it's just incredibly. It's very soft. It's almost more like some, you know, various chunks of it look more, look and feel more like mud or wood. Um, it's kind of shaggy, softer. It's really, it's closer to peat. I mean, it's on that sort of, on the sort of arc of, of what, of the transformation of carbon over the eons. It's, it's simply, yeah, it's closer to the peat point on the arc. And, and it's just, it's really kind of, astonishing when you're holding this stuff to think that this incredibly rudimentary muddy soft brown stuff is still powering a significant share of the of this of of the economy of a one of the most modern industrialized wealthy countries in the world you know i want to get to the climate characteristics that you just mentioned of brown coal in a moment but you know the fact that it's still being burned and burned so widely in germany kind of implies it's a very important, uh, obviously, resource in the German economy. Can you tell us a little bit more about brown coal's role in the economy? What's keeping it going? Well, what's what's keeping it going is that is that Germany just doesn't have needs it still for its for for its electricity. I mean, you have this wealthy industrialized country with enormous um, energy needs, um, not least because Germany still has a really healthy manufacturing economy, um, including, of course, a very, very large um, automotive manufacturing economy. And so you you have this country that, um, that doesn't have many other sources. It doesn't have it doesn't have its own supply of natural gas the way that the U.S. does. So it's to the extent that it's using natural gas, it relies on imports from the Netherlands, Norway, and most problematically from Russia. Um, and and then it has it has now decided to get out of nuclear. So that part of its sort of energy pie is is on the way out. It has um, it has been building up its wind and solar capacity um, to a very impressive degree, but it's still nowhere near enough of that to to supply all of its needs. So, right now, as you mentioned at the outset, coal is still more than a quarter of of Germany's energy pie. It, that that quarter I should, should note includes they are still importing some hard coal um, from Russia, the U.S., Colombia, and elsewhere. Um, to, to power coal-fired plants, so the, 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 their coal, coal power is coming both from the domestic brown coal and from imported hard coal. You know, every day I'll, I'll, I'll check, there's this, that wonderful app called Electricity Map, where you can see where different countries' electricity is coming from at any given moment in time, and you go on there and you see that Germany, just day in, day out now, this winter, has been almost every day the the line for for coal on that app is way ahead of the second place line, which is typically wind, um, and you just see just how how reliant this this very sort of allegedly green progressive country still is on that dirtiest of sources. Well, looking at the irony here, right? So Germany has very aggressive targets for carbon reduction. The target for twenty thirty is sixty five percent reduction in greenhouse gas emissions versus nineteen ninety. That's a more ambitious target than the EU itself has. So it's interesting that coal is such a big resource right now. Can Germany 
achieve its climate targets and still hold on to its coal industry? No, absolutely not. Which is why there's now such such pressure to 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 get 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 out of coal. I mean, you have, uh, and this this was really the impetus for this this whole process that began a few years ago, where you had the recognition that 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 the country needed to get off of coal in order to meet its very ambitious climate targets. And and so you had what has not happened in the U.S. You had this very deliberate, um, kind of coordinated consensus approach to trying to get off of coal. The, the letters to the Bundestag um, in 2019 convened a um, a commission, a nationwide commission, to to decide on how to get up, get off of coal um, with all these these various stakeholders, industry, local communities, unions, um, environmentalists, and and they came up with with this plan to to exit by 2038 in a staged um, you know withdrawal, where you're shutting down so many plants and mines per year till you're finally out by 2038. And, and then going along with that that exit, a huge investment in the transition. So several billions for the company, the, the main two main um, energy companies themselves to shut as compensation for for getting out of the business. Um, Five billion euros for the workers to help uh, older workers retire early. Um, there's also going to be separate money for the younger workers to help them tie them over until they get new jobs. And then the biggest chunk of it, 40 billion euros for the communities, um, the coal country communities to help them with the transition. So just this massive investment and all this, you know, planning and forethought um, toward toward this exit, you know, this exit that that they know that they need to make if they're going to have any hope whatsoever of meeting those ambitious targets. You know, one of the things that you point out in the article is that uh, Germany is moving much more slowly in getting out of the the coal mining uh, business in the eastern part of the country, the old uh, GDR, than it is in the West. Why is that? They're actually, just to be clear, they're they're moving roughly at the same pace in those two regions. What's different between the regions is that there's much more it's just it, the exit in the eastern region is much more fraught and much more there's much more resistance there as you point out the, in the eastern region former gdr coal mining was quite a high status job at one point it, it's much more integrated into the lives of the communities is that right that's right and that's exactly why it's more fraught there the there is um and, and i spent most of my time reporting in the eastern region because there's just there's there are many more um Dynamics are at work there, including political dynamics. Basically, you know, in the, in the Western region, it's there's gonna it's gonna hurt a lot when they close those mines and plants down, um, for sure. But there's much more around there, uh, many more alternatives for people to look for work. You're not that far from Cologne and Düsseldorf, and 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 then the in the rural region, um, and it's just a it's a better off region in general. Whereas in the Eastern region, um, which is the, the English word for it is Lusatia, um, German word is Lausitz, which is right along the Polish border. And and it's this region that was really quite impoverished, um, quite impoverished farming um, area before they discovered the brown coal um, and got got all these big mines going in the, in the 20th century. And that entire region just became completely wrapped up with, with brown coal, just the economy just became incredibly reliant on it, um, and then 
and, and this was especially the case in 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 the East German decades, in the decades of the GDR, because East Germany had virtually no other um, energy natural resources other than brown coal, and it. Um, it depended on the brown coal for for just about everything when it came to energy. They were even using it. They were turning. They were liquefying it. They were using it for home heating. You know, all the way pretty much up until up until the wall collapsed, and and it became this. It became deeply embedded in 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 really in, in the sort of cultural identity of of East Germany. People who worked in the industry were exalted. Um, it was really sort of the iconic one of the iconic jobs in the. In the what they called the you know, farmers and workers state of the of the socialist republic, um, you got a better pension if when you worked in in brown coal. You were you were really seen as really as a kind of national hero in in the industry. It permeated life. You had the the soccer team in Cottbus, which is the biggest city in the region, was is was and still is called Energy um, Energy. One of the greatest sort of music celebrities in East Germany. Um, it was a guy called Gerhard Gundermann. And he was an excavator operator. That was his job. He he operated one of these massive machines, and he um, and he wrote sang, wrote songs about it, and continued working, you know, in that job even as he got some renown in the music business. Uh, so it was just it was a real sort of central uh, feature of East German life, and, and and especially in in this region. And and so now to have the prospect of this of this all being shut down, it's not only Going to have a, a real economic impact in the region, but it really kind of strikes the core of the, the region's sense of purpose and um, and history and culture. The, it's also very important to note that this that the talk of shutting it down is especially sensitive in the region because after the wall um, came down, after reunification in the early '90s. The, the industry already went through a huge um, reduction. They were um, there were about eighty thousand people in 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 Lusatia alone. This is a region of, you know, at the time probably about maybe maybe at most one and a half million people. They had eighty thousand people working in in the brown coal industry, and and that after after reunification that plunged to about eight thousand. It's now down to. You know, under eight thousand, um, and and so you already had this real massive bloodletting um, in the region with, in both in that industry and others, and so many people left the region, especially younger people, and so there's a sense that we already went through this terrible reduction, and and now you're going to make us uh, do it one more time and leave us with nothing. It sounds like these towns are being hollowed out. It sounds very similar to the experience that we've had here in the United States and is ongoing with coal communities. Are there parallels or significant differences you've seen uh, in the German experience? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I kept thinking about about places I'd been to in in West Virginia and in Southern Ohio and. Uh, Southwestern Pennsylvania in in American coal country, and so absolutely that feeling of of being abandoned, that feeling of people elsewhere in the big cities never having fully appreciated um, how much their life, their their daily life, was dependent on the hard and dangerous work being done in coal country to provide the electricity electricity that keeps all of our cell phones and laptops and all the rest going in in the big cities um, but then but there there also are differences the very crucial differences 
that I kept coming across. One is the fact that the coal industry in Germany remains um, completely unionized. And so you have, in a way, more sense among the workers that they're that even as they're up against these challenges, that their voices are being heard, that they have a, a voice in the process. You also have, even as you've seen a rightward shift in the politics in Lusatia, Lusatia has now become one of these um, strongest regions for for the far right party in Germany, the AFD. Um, and, and coal is absolutely the coal exit is part of that. You have the unions acting as somewhat of a moderating moderating force on 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 the miners themselves. Um, the the union is uh, at the national level allied with the social democrats, the center left party, and 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 so you don't see the workers themselves necessarily all rushing to 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 join the AFD. Now another crucial difference is is that you have you have had investment in this region in East Germany generally, even prior to the coal exit, you know, ever since reunification, of course, Western Germany, the German German federal government has poured billions into Eastern Germany. And so things just look better from, you know, just that sort of a, of a facade level than they do in, in, the, in the abandoned uh, coal towns of, you know, say, Southern West Virginia, where you go down there and it just breaks your heart because things are, are really um, in such rough shape, you don't get that sense when when you're in these um, these semi-abandoned towns in eastern Germany. And finally, you have you of course don't have the one of the terrible um, aspects of of what the coal country in the U.S. is dealing with, namely the opioid epidemic. That is simply not present in any you know to any degree in the coal regions of of Germany. And so just that that complete that devastation that that has um, wreaked upon American coal country is also something that that German coal country is not dealing with. Well, I'd imagine it's kind of a situation where we're looking at Germany as potentially a best case scenario for the exit from coal, given the fact that so much financial support is being given to the communities. I think you already mentioned, and it's definitely in the article, you said 5.5 billion euros are targeted towards coal workers for early retirement. Well, in theory, it's a it should be helping this all these billions for transition um, in the regions. The problem is that a lot of the money is being is so far is being spent on some pretty questionable stuff. It's the process for spending the money is very uh, opaque and not very transparent and. And and there's been all these reports coming out in the in the media about these pretty frivolous sounding projects, you know, like a, a techno festival, a a new um, a new big new fancy sort of campus for the for the nation's um, sort of their version of the CDC, their public health um, bureaucracy that's going to be out. Uh, in an exurb of Berlin, very you know, very far removed from the coal region, it really seems like some um, you know bureaucrats and politicians are using this massive pot of money to pay for pet projects that have been on the shelf for a while that are really not not at the core of the of the coal region, and people are seeing that and are getting upset about it. So the money is not necessarily helping as much as it should be to to soothe feelings locally. Germany is extremely industrialized. I think it's the most industrialized country in Europe in terms of how dependent the overall economy is on heavy industry. 
And one of the, the major questions here in Germany's switch away from coal is what will the impact be on electricity prices? And then by extension, what will the impact be on Germany's industrial competitiveness? And it's important to point out here that Germany already has, as again, you point out in the article, very, very high energy prices overall. It's maintained a strong manufacturing sector, you know, despite that. But I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the eyes that are watching what this transition does and the switch away from cheap and abundant coal does to energy prices and by extension to the economy. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, this is a huge concern there. And it's actually, it's even a concern locally when you talk to people in the coal regions, when you ask them about this, this transition, often the first thing they'll talk about is not necessarily their worry for their own job or what the loss of these, of these specific brown coal mining jobs will mean for the area. It's often their first concern is actually about, about the electricity prices and about what it will mean for themselves as energy consumers or, and more importantly, what it will mean for the German economy in general. There's this, I was talking to a, um, was at a tavern in Hoyerswerda, which is a town right in the, in the heart of the coal region, eastern coal region. And, and talking to a guy who works at one of the other big employers there, which is a BASF, um, you know, uh, plant, the the big uh, chemical company, and he makes um, paint for um, for German automakers, um, and and he's very worried about um, what the shift will mean for German car makers, who both are going to have to, you know, have to compete now against. Um, um, Electric cars like Tesla, but um, but B are also going to have higher energy prices um, in their in in their plants um, as a result of the transition. And he's just very worried that his the customers, the clients that he is basically is working for, is making this paint for, are are not going to you know are not going to survive this transition, and and that that he in turn will be then be out of work. Um, there's there was talk. Um, while I was in Germany, about some some big aluminum um, companies in uh, makers in the Ruhr um, shutting down because or, or moving moving elsewhere because uh, you know aluminum is very energy um, energy intensive and they were not going to be able to afford the very high electricity costs anymore. There's a there's just a real there's a sense um, among uh, among many Germans and especially Germans in these regions, that there is an element of magical thinking behind the transition. That there's just they just wonder where in the world are we supposed to get our energy from when we remove when we now are exiting both nuclear and coal um, in close succession. Um, there's just not enough wind and solar yet to to make up the difference. And 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 there's this real worry that this country that does to its credit remain a very vigorous manufacturing um, power, um, you know, really just it's really kind of astonishing the degree to which Germany, unlike most many other Western countries, has managed to retain a very strong manufacturing sector. Whether it's going to be able to continue doing so in the face of the highest some of the highest electricity costs in the world. You know, there's a, a very poignant uh, little passage I wanted to read here from the very end of your article. You had this interesting conversation with someone who had worked in the coal industry. He wasn't a miner, but he had a different role. He put this perspective as follows. He says, you can't have deindustrialization in Germany, he said. Industry means prosperity. A loss of prosperity would be absurd. And here's a critical point that he adds. 
if other countries look to see how Germany has fared and they see deindustrialization and a loss of prosperity and the people growing discontent and populism gaining a new foothold, who would want to follow our example? That's a pretty apocalyptic outcome, but it's interesting that you stated you would like to have had more, more time to have that conversation. Yes. I mean, it was, it was such a striking thing for, way for him to put it. He's this very you know young man. He's only 29 years old. He works um, in the he basically runs the um, telecom operations at the at the mines and the power plants in eastern in the eastern region and um, loves his job he's um, he's actually quite progressive minded he's a he, he's a social democrat he's not with the AFD he's he believes in climate change um, but he's very worried about this transition and and whether it's gonna be done right and to hear him talk about that, you know, that prospect that this becomes a very bad example um, for the rest of the world if it doesn't go well, it's it was so resonant to me because I had because so many other people, so many of the advocates of this transition were speaking of it as also in the terms of it being a model for a global model for for everyone else that 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 was why this mattered so much. Even though Germany now makes up only about two percent of of all global greenhouse gas emissions that it this this was so important as um as a as an event that the german coal exit because it could show um so many other um parts of the world um that this that is that actually could be done that you can that you can get off of um these dirty fossil fuels um and without doing um too much damage to to a wealthy industrialized economy and 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 he was basically offering the flip of that that if it went badly then then it could send a very bad signal to the rest of the world and it doesn't sound from the from uh, from what he was saying that he was actually trying to play politics with this he wasn't trying to scare anyone he was just saying look this is a real concern that i have is that right that's right it's there are just there are these huge stakes here, which is why I decided to take it on. It really does it does resonate beyond this one country of eighty three million people. You know, when you go to these communities where so many jobs have been lost, what is the sense there? Now, you, you presented obviously the positives here in terms of government support, but are people staying in these communities? Are they facing the same uh, situation? Or the question here. That many people in American coal communities face of having to leave is there optimism, pessimism? What's your sense? It's very similar in that uh, in that regard to to the American coal country. When I mean, you have you you have both on the one hand incredible population decline. So you have cities, Cottbus, that the biggest city that I already mentioned is now they've dropped from they were up around 135,000 people um really you know quite quite grand um handsome city that has now dropped under 100,000 people Hoyer's Verda where I talked to the paint maker in the bar they've they're my gosh they've they've fallen by half they they were up around 70,000 in east in the days of east germany and they're now down under 35 35,000 you have all these those kind of classic East Block high rises that were built for the coal workers in East Germany now standing vacant, being demolished. And the people that remain um, in these communities tend to be older. A lot, so many of the younger people have have left for for either Western Germany or or the bigger Eastern cities of Berlin and Leipzig. Um, and at the same time, you have so you have a lot of people having left, and then you also have 
a lot of people who know in theory that they should leave if to seek more opportunity elsewhere being reluctant to do so because there is this just as you find in in American coal communities you have this real attachment to the towns and to the land to you know there it's a Lusatia it's really quite a lovely region um and and you have people who for whom this is home and their families there and their families you know have been there for generations and you don't necessarily want to to move you know five or six hours to 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 Frankfurt or Stuttgart or wherever it might be and it's so similar to what you find in the US where we've actually seen in the US a a striking reduction in the rate of people leaving over the last few decades a striking reduction in the rate of people leaving for opportunities elsewhere people you know going cross state lines um for for work that used to be much more that kind of migration used to be much more common in the US and and now you you find people often staying put even if in theory there might be more opportunity elsewhere there's real ambivalence about about making that that move Let me ask you a final question you know are there any takeaways from the german experience that might have some relevance in the american experience uh, of of our energy transition oh absolutely i mean i i think d- d- despite all my concerns about how things are going at the ground level in in germany you know the fact that they're not spending um the, the money some of the money's money as as well or as transparently as they could be and in the fact that they that they really are facing some real pressure at the sort of macro level with with the that energy pie the fact that you know getting out of nuclear as they decided to do is is definitely complicating the the exit from coal having to do those things basically at the same time i still believe that that what they're doing is admirable that the fact that they that they set out to do the to undertake the coal exit um with this real um you know a a a, a deliberate nationwide approach where you bring everyone together uh, at the table over months and months and months and 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 hash it out and and come up with a plan come up with dates um come up with the money to 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 make the transition um easier for everyone involved that's just something that isn't happening at all in in this country i mean we're we're at this point now where our coal exit plan such as to the extent we have one basically consisted of the um billions of dollars worth of incentives that were in that build build back better plan that president biden and the democrats put together and that is that plan is now is now foundering in the senate um partly because of the opposition of of senator joe manchin of west virginia and and so right in that and that's just sort of that just stops it all up and there's nothing beyond that really we have no um there's just this gulf between between our approach and theirs so even even as there are reasons to be um sort of warning signs in their particulars of the, of the german approach at the sort of big picture level their undertaking i think still remains um a model for us alec thank you very much for talking thank you Today's guest has been Alec McGillis, whose recent article, Can Germany Show Us How to Leave Coal Behind?, was published in the January 31st edition of The New Yorker and by ProPublica. For more conversations on energy and climate, check out the archive of Energy Policy Now episodes on the Climate Center website. The site also has a wealth of energy policy research, 
briefs and blogs. And you can also register for upcoming events from the center. Thank you for listening to Energy Policy Now and have a great day.